Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Beth and Katie, founders of Pre-PA Clinic, and we are so happy you are here. We help pre-PAs start their dream career by showing them how to create their most competitive app and have their strongest interviews so they can get accepted to PA school. Before we get started on today's episode, we want to shout out to all the reapplicants and pre-PAs who are really feeling overwhelmed with the PA school application process and who don't want to waste another cycle waiting for interviews or to land a seat. We have a private coaching package where we will personally walk you step-by-step to creating your most competitive application and having your strongest interview so that you can finally get accepted to PA school. This package includes it all from program matching, access to all of our courses, building your strongest CASPA application, personal statement editing, mock interviews, and so much more. Basically everything you need is a pre-PA rolled into one package to make you the most attractive competitive candidate so you can get accepted into PA school. Learn more in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for coming to meet with us and for being on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I have been a practicing PNL for 12 years, almost 13 now in December, lucky 13. And I have been fortunate enough to practice in various different specialties. So I've worked in retail medicine. I've worked in family practice, urgent care. I did some occupational medicine, pain management, um, aesthetic medicine, and now I do obesity medicine. That's my full-time job. But I also work in a virtual urgent care. Wow, yeah. So we know that you're executive vice president of the PAVMT as part of this virtual telemedicine journey. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is and then how you became involved in telemedicine? Yeah, sure thing. So PAVMT, as you know, stands for PAs in Virtual Medicine and Telemedicine. We are a 501c3 organization. We are approved by AAPA. We're part actually a caucus. Um, so that's really exciting because we get to have a vote and have a say at the table. So that's always a great thing. And we are an organization that is made up of um, multiple pillars. So our pillars are advocacy, legislation, education, and we believe success in those first three lead to employment, which is our final pillar of our PAVMT. And so we, we've been now for three years <laughs> now going on. Of course, then the pandemic happened and now all of a sudden <laughs> we've become, you know, the people that have been fortunate enough to help kind of lead the way um, for our fellow PAs as far as everything telemedicine related. So we're trying to be that one-stop shop for all of our as a resource for all of our PAs. That's actually a great transition to our next question. We know that the pandemic kind of gave telemedicine a violent shove into the present day. How have you seen telemedicine change with the pandemic? Sure, definitely brought telemedicine to the limelight. I feel like before, uh, so pre-pandemic, we were, um, you know, struggling to even get a little bit of more awareness and what, you know, we're able to do. Because at the end of the day, you know, telemedicine is a platform. That's all it is. It's a way for us to connect with our patients so that we can help them for their medical needs. Now, what that entails and what that looks like is definitely different each specialty and what different resources you're able to bring to the table. So pre-pandemic, I think it was really hard to get reimbursement for these telemedicine visits versus then, of course, the pandemic happened. And I guess technically we're still in the middle of a pandemic. It hasn't officially ended yet, hopefully soon. But uh, that is exactly, fingers crossed. So hopefully once that does finally come to an end, we will still be able to keep the advancements that we have made with telemedicine as far as reimbursement, as far as access to care. We've been able to connect with our patients in a way that we weren't able to necessarily before. Um, So I'm hoping that that gets to stay as uh, as well as advance as we move forward. And I'm sorry, let me answer your previous question, which I'm so sorry I forgot to answer. 
earlier, but you were asking about my journey to telemedicine and how I got into it. So I started practicing telemedicine back in 2018. My story is a little bit unusual because I got into telemedicine because I lost my job. That's how it started. So at that time, I was working for an outpatient orthopedic clinic. And this clinic, I used to uh, live in a smaller town, so I'm not in, like, right now I'm in Dallas. So this is, of course, a much bigger town, and we have many more resources and opportunities available. Before that, I was living in a smaller town in Texas. And at that time, I was working in an outpatient orthopedic clinic that was run essentially by a nurse practitioner and myself. And so we would have doctors that would come in, but they were locums doctors. So it was really hard to find a doctor who would want to stay there in the smaller town and be the medical director. Because the dream team was supposed to be one medical director and two, they called us APPs, advanced practice providers. And so finally, we got two doctors who were interested and wanted to come and be part of this team with us and be the medical director. So the company, you know, brought them in, interviewed them, and they both seemed like a really good fit. So the company offered the position of medical director to both of the doctors, thinking that, eh, okay, hopefully one of them will accept the position, except both of them accepted the position. <laughs> so what they ended up doing was dissolving my position and the nurse practitioner's position to fund the second doctor's salary. So it was a business decision. Oh. I get it. No hard feelings. But what they, was not cool is that they didn't tell us. So we went from one day having a job to the next day not having one. So because I was in a smaller town at this time, it was really hard to find another PA position. So I actually went back to doing what I used to do pre-PA school, which is I used to be a teacher. So I taught for, at that time, which was completely revolutionary, a completely online virtual school. And so really that was my first exposure into the virtual space. And I really got a chance to see how this company would take the teachers, onboard them, train them, and give them the resources to become effective online virtual teachers, and also how they did it with their students and the parents and, and all of you know the people involved when it comes to teaching. So I was doing that for a while, and then in the meantime, I got an opportunity to work with a startup company in telemedicine. Since it was a startup company, I shared with them that, hey, this is something that I've been exposed to and that I've been able to work with, and they really liked that. So they offered me a position on their management team. And so now I had a unique view because with this telemedicine company, I was a provider, but I was also working on the management side. So I got to see kind of both sides of the equation, what it was like to be, you know, on the floor, virtual floor, <laughs> working with the patients, but also seeing kind of the behind the scenes and what it takes to run a company. And that's when I really started to see what our challenges were as far as PAs in the telemedicine space. And it wasn't that we were not able to do something in telemedicine, you know, we're just as well educated, we're able to take care of our patients. It was more of the legislative challenges, which were really like our shackles. And it had to do with that, you know, we are not able to have a compact the way um, a doctor or a nurse is able to have for licensure. So therefore, it makes it very limited because we have to get a licensure for each state that we practice in or we see a patient in. So that becomes kind of a barrier to PA employment. So at that time is when I reached out to some other colleagues because I was like, I need to, I need help. <laughs> My PA colleagues help me out for somebody who has been doing telemedicine longer than I have. And that is how I actually got to PABMT. So that's how I reached out to them first. And I was trying to figure out and navigate, okay, what are our challenges? What can we do? How do you navigate through this? Um, and that is when PABMT kind of started having their first board. And I met some amazing providers who had been doing this much longer than I had and were able to help, you know, guide me and support me. 
And during that time, they asked if I wanted to be part of the board, since it was kind of a new thing with PABMT at that time. And I was super like, I don't know, I don't know enough, am I even, you know, the right person for this job? So I was like, okay, very hesitantly, I decided, okay, I'll be part of the board. And I took on the role as a secretary because I figured PA school had made me super proficient in taking notes. I was very good at that. (laughs) So I could most definitely do that and help in whatever small way I can. But the reason I joined PAVMT and particularly the board is really because I wanted to learn more from these amazing people. Um, Because they've been doing this longer than I have. They just seem to be like amazing you know PAs and so knowledgeable and so kind and willing to share their their knowledge and to to help all of us succeed so that's when I joined with them and I remember literally feeling like the dumbest person in the room (laughs) but it was a growth journey and able to be working with so many wonderful providers so many different people who had specialties in so many different areas and then fast forward now I'm your vice president for PAs in virtual medicine and telemedicine and I get the privilege to lead our education pillar. So what I focus more on and what I bring to the table is really working with our PA students, with our PA institutions to help bring telemedicine curriculum and build that so it gets integrated into our PA education. So that is where I am now. <laughs> you have an incredible journey. Yes, like Anna, I love the fact that you embody that PAs are the most flexible career ever, right? I'm an orthopedist one day, then I decide I'm going to teach for a while, then you know I'm going to go ahead and start this online medicine thing. I'm going to be part of their managerial system. I'm going to work in obesity medicine. I'm going to work in urgent care. Like you just embody the fact that like as a PA you can do anything if you're willing to do it. So that is fantastic, and I just want our listeners to realize that when we say it's a flexible career we really mean it's a flexible (laughs) career so congrats to you for that what are some pros and cons do you think of telemedicine as someone who's worked kind of both in-person medicine and telemedicine what is kind of the good and the bad sure so the good is of course we're able to connect with our patients we're no longer limited to zip codes you know we can now take care of patients wherever they are we can meet them at their home meet them at their office meet them wherever all we need is essentially an internet connection and nowadays it's a phone connection we can even do it cellular So it's an easy way to meet our patients where they're at and really help them, you know, with whatever they're going through. So as far as my practice goes, like I mentioned, my full-time job is I practice obesity medicine. And so that I practice telemedicine in my practice. And the way I do that is your traditional telemedicine, what you would think when I say telemedicine, which is a live two-way audio-visual synchronous connection, kind of like we're doing right now, right? Like essentially a HIPAA-compliant Zoom. (laughs) So um, it's a way, you know, the patient's usually at home, and I'm able to kind of work with them. I ask them what tools do they have at home? Can we utilize if they have a blood pressure cuff? You know, different kind of tools that they may have to access the vitals and things that I may need. Versus in my urgent care job, that's a little bit different because that one is actually a kiosk that is located inside of a grocery store. So the way that works is a patient walks in, there's a medical assistant there, they greet the patient, they get the patient set up, and then they call me. I hop onto a platform, once again, similar to this, and we are able to connect and take care of our patient. But at the kiosk, I have access to all my regular tools. So things like your otoscope, ophthalmoscope, stethoscope, except all of my tools now have a camera attached to them. So I can look inside ears, nose, and throat, listen to heart and lungs, My MA serves as my hands. I have access and ability to get 
things like specialty things, you know, um, EKGs, whatever I may need, need, may need like blood work or whatever to better take care of my patient. So therefore it extends what I'm able to do in that setting versus what I'm able to do in a more traditional setting, what you would expect while the patient is at home. But still the pros of it is I'm still able to connect and reach to my patient and help them get through whatever it is that they're needing to do. The cons of course is kind of on the similar thing. Sometimes when the patient is at home, you're obviously dependent on, do they have internet access? Do they have you know cellular access? Is everything working correctly? And I think that's what most people expect me to say when I say what's the con of telemedicine. But also, of course, from my experience, which, which I shared with you, it's the legislative stuff, right? So it's our hindrances. Are we able to bill correctly? Are we able to get that, that we can still bring this as a resource and get, of course, reimbursed for it? So that's kind of where there's a little bit of still area to improve. So you touched on the specialties that you work in. What are some other specialties that are in telemedicine? Sure. Almost any specialty can utilize telemedicine in some shape, way, or form. And the reason I say that is because telemedicine actually is a very broad term, and there are different types of telemedicine. So once again, most people think of telemedicine as this, like a live two-way audio-visual, you know, synchronous connection, but there are asynchronous tools. So think of like questionnaires, different ways that you don't have to be live in person, that you have to do email, text, all these different ways. A lot of times now you see it as apps. That's probably the most common way that people think of when I say asynchronous. But then we even utilize things like remote patient monitoring. We utilize things like artificial intelligence. We can do interprofessional consults. So it's actually, the patient is not even there. It's the two providers connecting with each other and collaborating to take care of their patient. So that's why I say it's something that could be used in almost any specialty or any area, depending on what type of telemedicine you want to use. But even in the most traditional sense of telemedicine, of connecting with the patient this way, we really had a great opportunity with PAVMT where we got to reach out to our members and ask them, share with us how you utilize telemedicine. So we actually have a little interview series that we do um, where we share how different providers, real PAs, utilize telemedicine in their specialty. So we've interviewed from cardiology, pediatrics. We've used um, management people. One of our providers, she works with the homeless population. And so how she takes tools and resources out into the field to do that. We have another provider who she does pain management. And so... And so again, once again, the patient actually comes into the clinic, but she is virtual. So she kind of almost, you know, zooms in, skypes in, that kind of a thing, um, so that she can take care of her patients. Um, we have a PA who just recently launched on who did, who d- utilizes telemedicine in the ICU. And his camera and system is so sophisticated, he can see down to the band and read the name of the patient on their ID band. So there's a lot of tools and resources that are available. Internationally, we have PAs who are utilizing telemedicine. Um, We did an interview with a wonderful um, PA, and she is uh, from Sierra Leone, and she is working there to help decrease uh, the maternal uh, mortality rate. Um, So with, you know, when delivering babies and all the postnatal care, and utilizing telemedicine as a resource for that. So there's ample ways that you can use telemedicine and reap the benefits of it. That's incredible. So for our listeners who are either in PA school or planning to go to PA school that are really interested in telemedicine, what are some tips or advice that you'd have to kind of break into telemedicine? 
I would say to break into telemedicine, try to have an open mind and see how you can utilize it in your day-to-day. That's probably the easiest way, if, especially if you're already a PA who's working in you know, a, a setting. I know you asked me about pre-PA, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but as far as our PAs who are currently working, it may be easier just to have you integrated into your current practice already as a resource and tool. And the way that um, I find it to be most helpful, and I'm seeing it even in my current practice, is that it's really helped me cut down on my no-show rates. So when normally when I would have, let's say, a day full of you know a patient panel, inevitably there's going to be a no-show or somebody has to cancel or something has to happen, right? Life happens. But because I'm able to bring this telemedicine platform and use that as a resource and tool, it's very easy for me. Usually I can ask the patient, oh, hey, let's convert you over to a telemedicine visit. Can we just connect? You know, you could be wherever you are, and it doesn't usually take that long. And most patients are pretty, you know, okay with that, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. And then that way it helps me still, as far as what we're doing, what I do in my obesity medicine practice, help keep them on track on their journey to wellness. So it becomes like a great way, and we're not kind of back, you know, missing appointments or backsetting or anything that way to do that. So that's, that's something that's been really helpful in my clinical day-to-day practice. As far as pre-PAs or uh, people trying to get into PA school, how to utilize telemedicine, I would say the best way is if you could, maybe if you could find somebody you can shadow and you can kind of see how they utilize it. And even, I'm going to put in a plug here for our PA VMT. <laughs> Go and visit our PA VMT website and even watch those interviews that we did with our different PAs and maybe even reach out to them. You know, part of the reason we do these interviews is also to have a sense of camaraderie, to have a sense of mentorship, because that's how we all learn and grow, right? We have to kind of depend on each other. We each bring something unique and special to the table. And if we can share that and help each other, um, then that may be a great resource and tool. So go to our PA VMT website, please. We'll include the links to that in the show notes for any listeners who are interested. Thank you. Where do you see the future of telemedicine heading? Future of telemedicine, I think it's definitely here to stay. Now, reimbursements, hopefully they will be as good, if not better. <laughs> that I have to, you know, that's going to be, of course, a work in progress, but I do think telemedicine for sure is here to stay. Um, it's shown to be so helpful and resourceful, especially during this pandemic. A lot of patients have been able to utilize it and seen the benefits of it, so I don't see it going away. In fact, I see it having more growth as we go more into the future, and even as technology improves, um, so to do the different, like I was mentioning, the remote patient monitoring, artificial intelligence, things like that. I told you I work in a virtual urgent care where we do utilize remote patient monitoring and artificial intelligence. So I am physically in Dallas, Texas, but I see patients in Delaware. And so while I am many states away, we use artificial intelligence to do their diabetic retinopathy screening. So I can see clearly in the back of their eye many, many miles away by using artificial intelligence. I expect that to improve and become much more accessible as we move forward. You know, obviously you're very experienced with a PA role in telemedicine, and how does that work with like the collaborating physician? Is it a different type of role? Do you feel like maybe there are more PAs than other type of providers in telemedicine or less? Kind of what do you think the PA role is and, and how it's changing and how it's growing? Well, the PA role is the, the best thing of being a PA is that we are so flexible. <laughs> and of course that we are very able to work in teams and, and with different and work with our collaborating physician, but also kind of work more independently, autonomously, of course, you know, with a collaborative team spirit with it, but nonetheless, we are able to also take care of our own panels while we're doing this. Um, And so I I see that role definitely 
hopefully improving um, and becoming, you know, more access to care. Again, with reimbursements, as things kind of go down the, the progression and hopefully get better with that. But as of right now, the biggest thing, the number one thing to always remember with telemedicine is that you must be licensed in the state where the patient is located. That is the number one rule. So even with your collaborating physician, they too must be licensed in the state where the patient is located. Now, I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier that doctors do have an ability to do a compact. So that is an ability to have multiple kind of state licensures that way, um, whereas we as PAs don't have that yet. Hopefully that is coming down the pipeline too. But that is something that gives, you know, we, we must still keep in mind that we are, it is as if we are practicing in those different states. So we have to abide by their you know, rules, regulations, and each state is different. So you just have to kind of be mindful of that and be aware of that. But hopefully, as this telemedicine is almost unifying us, then we'll see some across-the-board ways to help improve on that and, and still work in a collaborative way. So for our listeners who are already PAs, do you recommend that they have multiple state licenses who are, you know, if they're trying to break into telemedicine? That definitely makes you a lot more competitive because the nature of telemedicine is that essentially you you know to grow and expand as, as a business I'm speaking of that's where that's where it becomes more valuable right if you're able to hold multiple state licensures because you should be able to not be restricted to state lines so if you are working for a practice that has the ability to expand and see patients outside of your state well that's what they're going to want to do but if you as a as any provider are just limited to that then that's where it becomes this kind of barrier to PA employment um, so we definitely the, the more it's easier said than done, but the more states that you can get and maintain, because I do understand that that can quickly add up, <laughs> then obviously it makes you a lot more competitive and a lot more likely from a business point of view to hire somebody who has the ability to do that. And it seems like just kind of looking through and doing a Google search, like Florida, California, those in New York are like the main like three. Would you say that those that that's true or is there other states that are more focused on telemedicine than others? Um, those are definitely the big ones. <laughs> I'm biased, but I, obviously I'd say Texas because that's where I am, but I'm definitely seeing, and I'm more, I guess, aware of different opportunities here just because I happen to live in Texas. So there's definitely growth and a lot of things happening there, but yeah, California, of course, that's where <laughs> most of your, most of their being birthed for that matter. New York also is a great place. Um, Florida, also a great one, um, but we have PAs all over. We have PAs, even I'm speaking even on our board, we have a PA who practices in Alaska, and also practices in Florida. So he has both. He's like on both ends of our... <laughs> so he, he's able to do that as well. So there's, I mean, I would say, yeah, those are probably your biggest ones. But of course, it's going to be dependent on each company, where they're going, what are they wanting to do, if, it's, if you're being particular about a, you know, a specific company. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all these tips and advice. And if listeners want to get to know you, want to get to know the virtual telemedicine platform, where can they go to find this information? Sure. So I'll give you the website, which is www.pavmt.org. And again, it's PAs in virtual medicine and telemedicine. So pavmt.org. We are on every social media platform possibly known to mankind. Um, so if you go to our website, you will see the links for all of them at the bottom. Um, and so that's probably the easiest way to connect and go from there. Um, if you're interested in any of our board members, you can, of course, click on that page and you'll be able to read our bios and see a little bit more of that. Pretty sure we all have our LinkedIn, um, you know, hyperlinked on there. So you could always do that as well. Or we are on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Clubhouse. We're, we're everywhere. <laughs> we're pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, we even have 
have a centralized email that it, if you send an email, if you go to the website and send an email, it'll come into our group email and then it gets divvied out in case there's a particular person that you are, you know, having a particular question or something for. And that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. All right. And very last question and the most fun one is who are you when the white coat comes off? When the white coat comes off, who am I? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll share with you something that I did where you may have gotten a chance to see it, maybe a glimmer of it, <laughs> um, which is I, my hobby is I like to sing. So oh, I sang for our uh, two places where you may have seen it was one I sang for our PA talent show at, at AAPA, which was done by PA Foundation. So I was very fortunate to be part of that. <laughs> and then when COVID was at its peak, and of course, then when we got the first vaccine and we were all like, you know, buzzing about it in the, in the medical community, um, we had an opportunity to collaborate with another group called PA Moms. And they had a really fun, like, skit parody song that they did about the vaccination, where it was, so you know that song from Frozen, where it's, it's Coronation Day, and you know, it's about, <laughs> and she talks about that. so it was based off of that song, where we got a chance to collaborate nationwide with so many PAs, and each got to sing, like, one part of it, and we Aww. put it together. Really so fun cool. um, video, and at the very end, I sing the entire song. So if you if you stay till the end to see the credits, then you'll get a chance to see. Wow! Um, yes, that's impressive. That is impressive. I love it. <laughs> we're definitely gonna Google that as soon as yeah. we're done. <laughs> so it was a really fun project. I got a chance to meet some amazing PAs, and my gosh, these group of women are rock stars. So I was so humbled and honored to be even given an opportunity to collaborate with them and work with them. It started off as just a fun thing you know just like okay hey let's just you know kind of play with it and so I sang it to them they, at that time they were joking and this is a joke and they were saying that like oh wouldn't it be so much fun if Kristen Bell would sing the song for us because she's the true voice of Anna and truly sings the song in, in the movie and so I was like look I'm no Kristen Bell but <laughs> I'll be a world for you <laughs> so in the show notes if you want to see any of that and we really appreciate you being on our podcast thank you so much for having me absolutely wonderful to meet both of you and i hope we get a chance to collaborate more in the future yes yes <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for listening to where the white coats come off we are so happy to connect with you and share our passion of the pa profession 
Don't forget to go to the show notes and join our super fun Pacers membership so you can start making your CASPA application more competitive today with virtual shadowing hours, coaching sessions with us, and so much more. Also in the show notes, we have a free download, an Excel PA school record keeper that mimics CASPA format, meaning you keep all of your shadowing hours, patient care experiences, volunteer information, awards you have received, leadership roles, and the loads of other information you need to apply to PA school in one place. So you can copy paste into CASPA when you go to apply. Get it in the show notes. Have a great day and we will see you at the next episode. Keep up the awesome work.